I can't tell you how much I enjoyed saying touch them all. Way back and gone. Touch them all, Joe Maurer. And now these guys are making it relevant to this year's Twins. Now, our two resident hardball nerds will attempt to touch them all on the week's news surrounding the Twins in MLB. Here's Phil Mackey and Derek Wetmore. Hey, welcome to Touch Em All Podcast. I'm Derek Wetmore, flying solo today. No Phil Mackey. That's either good news or bad news, depending upon your perspective. Uh, we got a couple things to talk about. This is the repurposed version of my Friday Facebook show. We're live on Facebook right now as we record this. Derek Wetmore MLB is the Facebook page to find that every Friday. A few things that we've got to get into. I think that the Twins need to trade for a catcher. Uh, I've, I'll give you five names, and we can chat about that here on the page. Uh, some people say Mitch Garver, Bobby Wilson, good enough. I say maybe, but there's definitely room for an upgrade there. Uh, we're going to play the media guide game, and I'll give you a stat of the week involving a once and future Twins starting pitcher. Uh, so let's get right into the column. I see Dave Hansen says Twins need to stand pat, and I disagree, Dave. Um respectfully, of course, but losing Jason Castro for four weeks would have been a blow. Okay, you lose your starting catcher, and what are you going to do? But losing him for the full season, I think, is a real impact. I definitely think that it could cost the Twins win or wins, and for me, that matters, because if you're the Boston Red Sox and you lose your starting catcher and you got to go with a backup well, what does that take you? Like, are you a 96-win team down to a 94, 93-win team or something like that? But, and here's where this matters, if you're the Twins and you are an 86 or 87-win team sort of hoping to knock on the door of the playoffs, and you lose a win or two or three, whatever, any amount of wins at that spot matters a great deal. And I think that's why the Twins need to be bold. I think that's why they need to take action if they don't think that they're a playoff team this year, I've got no problem at all sticking with Mitch Garver and figuring out can he fix his issues behind the plate and Bobby Wilson as sort of a veteran journeyman, can he be the leader behind the plate and split the playing time almost equally with Mitch Garver? No problem at all with that. I just think that if you have aspirations of going to the playoffs, you need to go out there, be aggressive, and buy wins and that's where my contention comes in. I, I think a lot of people think that that's a negative take or that I don't like Mitch Garver, don't like Bobby Wilson. Uh, it's not that. It's just that they're unproven, and if you can upgrade at catcher, frankly, it's a spot they probably could have upgraded even before Jason Castro got hurt if the knee injury is indeed what was hurting his bat. Really, the Twins could have upgraded offensively there. Um, Mitch Garver is a step forward. I have no doubts in my mind that uh, Mitch Garver is a better hitter than Jason Castro. But when you talk about controlling a pitching staff, calling a game, blocking pitches, throwing out runners, controlling the running game in general, series planning, all of this stuff that goes into being a catcher before we even start talking about things like pitch framing and framing runs saved, there is just so much value to be had in a quality backstop who can sort of carry his weight offensively. I, I think catcher defense tends to be underrated, and that goes for you know us common fans and also in the stats community. I, I don't know that we've become good yet at 
capturing the full value that a, a catcher brings to a team. I, I personally think Jason Castro is a big loss for the Twins. I know I might be in the minority with that take. We'll definitely talk about a couple of the backups. Um, I'm going to share this link out real quick. I see some more people starting to fill up the chat. Jamie, Justin, Anthony, Josh. Thanks for coming by, guys. Uh, should be a cool show today. All right, you guys. Here is my column. And there's one big name at the top of it. And, and then I'm going to get into your questions here. Because a lot of these uh, do involve the catching situation. And uh, that'll will probably be the focus of this show, to be honest with you. It's the biggest news of the week. So I went through Jason Castro, who obviously wasn't hitting well, but I personally believe that a busted meniscus in your knee can have a big impact on you know rotating and everything like that that's involved in hitting, and so maybe some of that is chalked up to he was hurt. Also, let's be honest, Jason Castro is not that good of a hitter, the value that the Twins saw in him when they gave him a three-year deal was defensively, handling a pitching staff, calling a good game, framing pitches at the edges of the strike zone. All, all of that stuff goes into the value equation for a catcher, um, and that's what the Twins are going to miss here. So we talked about Mitch Garver. We talked about Bobby Wilson. And then after that, it's minor league depth. I believe in one of our first Facebook shows, somebody asked me a question about Williams Astadio. Fascinating catching prospect, but what do you expect of him if, if you know if Mitch Garver gets hurt and your catching tandem is Bobby Wilson and Williams Astadio? Do you feel that good about that? I think probably not would be my guess. So it's Astadio, Jordan Pacheco, and uh, Winston Sawyer are currently on the AAA Rochester roster. I just I think you have to upgrade. If those are your first five catchers, I'm not saying you know you're gonna get you're gonna have to run into your depth or anything like that. You probably aren't gonna have to rely on your fifth catcher in the organization. But if you can upgrade for a full season at starting catcher, catcher one, and then Garver's a backup or Wilson's a backup, and and Garver moves to a different position as a bat, well then that's a better situation. So the big rumored name that's out there, and if I wanted to, you know, if I wanted to clickbait this thing, I would have just put his name in the headline. We would have talked about him for an hour, and that's JT Realmuto. Obviously, being the Marlins' starting catcher is a bit of a precarious spot because he's a good young player, but it's the Marlins, and the Marlins had a fire sale this winter. Uh, a lot of people asking me if Real Muto would make sense for the Twins, and I don't know much about him defensively. I, You might be surprised to hear this, but I haven't watched very many Marlins games this year. And so I'm kind of just going by what I hear and by what I see on the stats page. Obviously, that could be dangerous, but you know I don't think he's the defensive catcher that Jason Castro is, but he's a much better hitter. He would be an instant upgrade for the Twins. He'd have to be pretty bad defensively to wash away the offensive gains that you'd get from from bringing in an above average offensive catcher like Real Muto. The yeah but to the Real Muto conversation is he's got two years of team control left and he's a good young player so he would cost an awful lot in terms of prospects or major league talent to acquire him in any trade with the Marlins. That's my biggest sticking point with this is that they traded Christian Yellick, they traded Ozuna, they moved 
basically everything that wasn't nailed down this winter, and it makes you wonder, well, if they didn't trade Real Muto, did they not get offers? I can't believe that. I think there are some teams that certainly would have been interested in having a good young starting catcher. Then that leads me to question, like, oh, did they just not get the price that they were asking for? And that's probably the moon and the stars. He's not, like, the biggest impact player in the majors by any means, but a team-controlled catcher who can hit is a valuable asset. And so I think the Marlins would be right to ask for a lot in any trade like that. Now my question is, if you're the Twins... Do you get aggressive and get that done? And if you're the Marlins, are you willing to listen for an aggressive trade haul right now, you know, two and a half months before the trade deadline? Or a month and a half, sorry, before the uh, July 31st trade deadline. If you're Miami, what's there to lose? I mean, you already decided your sellers. You decided that in the winter. If you're the Twins, what's there to lose? Well, prospect ammunition. So anyway, Real Muto is the big name for sure on this market. What do you guys think of Real Muto? Um, Put it in the comments. I I don't want this to just be a one-way conversation, me talking at you the whole time. Um, Because the first, so here, first question is from Anthony. um, And then Justin, I'll get you your Blake Swihart discussion. Anthony says, do you think Real Muto is a legit possibility? The Nationals lost Weeders too, and they might go after him. I like Blake Swihart. Um, from Boston as a cheaper option. What's your preference if the Twins do trade for a backstop? Uh, I got to be honest with you. I didn't hear the uh, Weeders news. I'm going to have to go read that. Um, Matt Weeders, according to the Washington Post, has surgery on his left hamstring. That was yesterday as of this recording. Uh, Washington Post's Jorge Castillo says that the Nationals are likely to hunt for a catcher. That's bad news for the Twins. Uh, that gives me a post. I'm going to take note here. Uh, we gotta we gotta discuss that on the website. We gotta figure out. Okay, is it a bidding war now? Um, Weeders news hurts Twins. Thank you for the story idea. So let's read this here. I'm reading from the Washington Post. Adding to their long list of significant injuries to position players, the Washington Nationals announced Thursday afternoon that catcher Matt Wieters underwent surgery to repair his left hamstring. Continues the Washington Post, Further information, according to the club, will be provided when Wieters returns to Washington and is evaluated by Nats medical staff. Huh. So, less than 24 hours after he got hurt, I guess, the Nationals' PR Twitter posted the news about the surgery, this according to the Washington Post. I wonder how long this is going to leave him out for. Um, I don't know. Well, it's not good news for the Nationals, who uh, were kind of counting on that guy. Um, I covered Weeders in Baltimore in 2013. Uh so let me get back to your question, Anthony. Yes, Matt Weider is getting hurt and having surgery for sure hurts the Twins' pursuit because now it becomes a question of which catchers are available, that's your supply, and then what are you willing to give up for them? The price depends on the demand, and now the demand just went way, way up. That's a good team in Washington. They have World Series aspirations, and this is their last year with Bryce Harper in all likelihood. That, to me... 
that's desperate uh, measures for the Nationals. They're probably going to have to give up something legit to improve their catching. So uh, answer your first question, Anthony, is Real Muto a legit possibility? Yeah, of course. I think if the Marlins would be willing to move and the Twins are willing to move a lot in terms of prospects, of course he's a legit possibility. And then possibly becomes your future Twins catcher, uh, sort of the starter. Jason Castro comes back after meniscus surgery next year. He's 31, 32, or something like that, a defensive-minded catcher. I don't know who's the starter in that case. Probably not Castro, I would guess. Just just having not seen Real Muta defensively and knowing what I think of him, I'd wonder it's possible that uh, he would be their starter going forward then, it's for sure for the year after that when he's still under team control and Castro's a free agent. But uh, if he's a legit possibility, the Twins would really have to offer something up of value to the Marlins. And then to the second point of your question, Anthony, the bidding war does not help, and if Blake Swire's the cheaper option, then then fine. You know, if you are just going to take an upside gamble and don't want to pay a lot in terms of prospects, then that's fine. It's just not as uh, you know, it's not a sexy name brand, but it's possible that the Twins would aim more for a depth option than for a new starting catcher. I know that they like Mitch Garver, especially offensively, and I've talked to people behind the scenes for a couple of years now who've said Garver's coming along defensively. I just wonder how willing, how how patient are you willing to be in terms of quote coming along defensively? Because we've definitely seen some warts behind the plate from Garver this year. Um, Bobby Wilson, people have said a lot of good things about him in the last week or so. I've just cautioned, hey. Veteran, journeyman, basically he was the third catcher option for the Twins this year. So temper your expectations. They're saying a lot of good things, and in the couple conversations I've had with Bobby Wilson, he's been an enjoyable guy, and I can definitely see him being sort of that leader of the pitching staff that Jason Castro was. You just wonder how much is he going to give you, and is he served to be a starting catcher in the big leagues at age 35? All fair questions. So, Anthony, thanks for the couple of questions there. Um, I'll get to your final one here. By going back to my column when you ask, who is your preference if the Twins do trade for a backup? Before I get to that, real quick, just the people who are in the chat, uh, looks like we just set a high watermark for a number of people in here. That's awesome. People starting to figure out about it on Facebook. If you're here and you're liking this stuff, push the like button or hit share or somehow tell your friends about it. I always ask that. I try to ask it once a chat just so I remember. Um, Self-promotion is not exactly my thing. But if you hit that button, this video will go out to more people. The Facebook algorithms will be confused into thinking this is actually a good video, and they will share it with more people in weeks to come. So if you like this content, just push like or share or whatever you want to, uh, to, to help get this shared with more Twins fans out there. Anthony, the final part of your question is answered in my column when I say the Twins should ramp up their search for a catcher. Um, Real Muto would be the preference, but, you know, do you want to trade top prospects? Maybe not if you're the Twins. And if you're nervous about that stuff, then here are a couple of backup options. I basically went into the list of catchers from... Teams that I think are sellers, already sellers. It's not like a question of maybe someday they will be sellers. Um, Swire wasn't on the list, but I'm going to give him his own separate column. 
as the uh, sort of drama unfolds in Boston. I believe it was reported that his agent was asking for a trade this week. Well, that's not a formula for longevity within an organization. So maybe he's available, but the whole notion that he'd be available at a discount price, I never buy into that. If you're the Red Sox, your hand's just not forced in this situation. So you willing to pay market value for him? Uh, Maybe. If not, here are four guys that I'd look at. Look out west to San Diego. The Padres have a veteran catcher, A.J. Ellis. Remember him probably from his Dodgers days, an on-base guy. Um, He's 37 years old now, so again, tempered expectations. But the Padres just called up Rafi Lopez to be their starter, while Austin Hedges is on the disabled list with elbow tendonitis. All right. I don't know how long Hedges is going to be out. If he's back anytime soon, maybe the Padres are looking to deal a veteran. And A.J. Ellis, maybe he wasn't your most attractive option this offseason, but now that you're down into your catching depth and you know you'll be without your starter for a full season, the A.J. Ellis makes some more sense. Uh, next guy would be Texas Rangers, Robinson Chirinos. Uh Texas is nine games under five hundred. They were already kind of on some shaky ground. As the season started, they'd really have to pitch well to make some noise in the wild card, especially given their division. So, I don't know. Uh, Chirinos has a club option for 2019, too, if you're looking for a a more longer-term play. Then these next two, very unlikely, but I'm going to go through them anyways. Kansas City's out of it. They're not a contender. They're a seller. What does Salvador Perez do for you, Twins fans? Um, I'd be really interested to see what it would cost, but I also know since he's on a five-year deal in Kansas City, he's under contract through 2021. Reduces the likelihood of a trade like that. Obviously, he signed in Kansas City for a reason. Kansas City signed him for a reason. I think I'd be surprised to see Sal Perez traded, but there you go. Um, it's a name on a seller, so I said take it for what it's worth. And then the last one, the Baltimore Orioles should be sellers. They've got a young catcher. You maybe heard of him, Chance Cisco, But I can't imagine a scenario in which the Twins trade for a guy named Chance Cisco after the bunt in Baltimore. So I said in the column, I wrote a little snippet for each of those catchers, and I said, Chance Cisco, Orioles. Wait, never mind. So we just moved on from that. The last thought, and uh, this will be my closing thoughts on the column. We can talk about something else if you guys want to. Oakland A's have a catcher that they signed late in the winter. His name's Jonathan Lucroy. Um, You know, not the Jonathan Lucroy that you remember, but, hey, serviceable option. And Oakland, Oakland's kind of hanging around. So if the A's see themselves as a legitimate wildcard contender, then probably not. You're not going to get their starting catcher. But if they think this is yet another year of a rebuild as they sort of wait for a new stadium, I don't know, bide their time, sit on their hands, then consider it if the price is right. Um, But, yeah, so that was my my final catcher suggestion on this column. Um, I also jokingly kind of suggested call the Dodgers, see if they're willing to start selling pieces. Uh, They got a bunch of guys you'd be interested in. But uh, they're hoping to be World Series contenders, and it's sort of gone off the rails for the Dodgers this year. I don't know what to make of it. I think that's still a good team, but a lot like the Twins with their bad April and actually the Diamondbacks' great April, the Dodgers put themselves in a tough spot in the West uh, in the National League, so I'm not sure that they'd be willing to sell a catcher. I just thought it was worth bringing up.
Anyway, those are my thoughts on the catching situation. Let's get into your questions here. All right, Dave Hansen, yep, says that the Twins should stand pat. Justin wants Swire from Boston. Um, Justin says, has your opinion changed from last week? The last podcast was kind of somber. Uh, my opinion on the Twins hasn't changed. You know, good team. This will be a fun summer, but they did too much damage to their postseason standings in the month of April. I don't see them as a postseason team. They could win 85 games, and personally, I don't think that's going to be good enough. Um, I'm definitely watching the Angels. They just lost a late-inning reliever, Kenyon Middleton. You saw him leave the Twins game. The Angels announced that the uh, second opinion said you got to get it says UCL in his elbow. That's never good. Uh, Tommy John reconstructive surgery. But the Angels also tweeted that they were going to wait, I think, for a third opinion on that because, you know, there's no rush to go under the knife. If if you think you can avoid it, maybe, but um, that's that's bad news for them, losing a late-inning reliever. Um, so they're a wild-card team. Let me just pull up the wild-card standings, Justin. I know it's too early to be looking at the standings, but that's kind of what we're talking about here. So as of May 18th, the wild-card standings, you've got your division leaders, um, Actually, New York and Boston are dead even in the AL East. Then Cleveland is 500, leading the American League Central. Woof. And Houston is, what is that, 11 games above 500, leading the AL West. So your wildcard teams are either Boston or New York, whichever one's not in front, and the Angels. The Angels are 25 and 19. Then it goes Seattle, Oakland, Toronto, Tampa Bay, Detroit, and Minnesota. I mean, that kind of says it right there. The Twins are four and a half games out of that second spot, so, you know, the standings math doesn't say that they're dead and buried. I just think so much will have to go right for them. I think they're a better team than Detroit. I think they're better than Tampa Bay. They might be better than Toronto and Oakland. Um, Robinson Cano just got hurt in Seattle, so that's by circuitous way uh, good news for the Twins, I guess, because it hurts Seattle's chances of going to the postseason. Um and the Angels, man, they're good. So, I don't know. That's what I've been saying since the winter, that the Twins really needed to upgrade this roster. They did, to their credit, but then they just got off to the bad start. So, I'd say, Justin, no, my my tone hasn't changed, my opinion on this team, but crazy things can happen. Uh, so, we got some more people in the chat. Jamie's got a question. What's up, Jamie? Carrie, Seth joined the chat. Hey, Seth, Dave Hansen's here. Leland. Joseph Patrick, but not Joseph Patrick Maurer, and Dan and Tony. A lot of comments to get to. I'll try and go through these rapid fire because we've also we got a fun little bit here, guys. We're going to play the uh, media guide game and then a stat of the week for you to close the podcast. Jamie wants, or Jamie says, uh, upgrades are always good, but at what cost? I say upgrade as long as you don't have to give up too much, unless you're going to give up. Um, oh, sorry. Unless what you are going to give up is worth what you are getting back, just don't panic and overpay. Yeah, I mean, I'm always against the idea of overpaying, but I think that like it's time to panic. I think that if you see yourself as a postseason team, you can't just scuffle along for six weeks hoping to figure out if your backup situation is going to be good enough at catcher. It sounds like a minute detail. 
It's really not. If you're going to go 50-50 playing distribution, one catcher you don't trust behind the plate and one catcher you don't know if they'll be able to hit, that's a that's you're giving up half of a position player. And if you're the Yankees or the Red Sox or the Angels or the Astros, I think that you can afford to absorb that loss. But if you're the Twins and you're sort of stuck in this like, oh boy, we got to go pedal to the floor the whole rest of the season because otherwise we're missing the playoffs – I think that this is time for, I wouldn't say panic, panic's the wrong word, but definitely action time if you're the Twins. I don't think you go four, five, six weeks before figuring out, oh, maybe we should have upgraded that spot. I think you want to act before it's too late. Um, Crazy things could happen. Obviously, they could make the playoffs with a guy like Mitch Garver behind the plate and Bobby Wilson as his primary backup, but I just think that the Twins have an opportunity to upgrade there and uh, they have the prospect ammo to get it done. Uh, Carrie says, hello. What's up, Carrie? Thanks for coming to the chat. Um, Trevor's here. What's up, Trevor? Thanks for stopping by, my man. Um, let's get to Dave's question, and then I see a couple here more, more from Jamie because Jamie's already got one in here. Dave says, we won the World Series with Laudner, Salas, and Butera in 87, Harper and Ortiz in 91. We'll be fine. All right. Fair enough. Look at the last five World Series winners. Were they content to go with like average or below average catchers? I think catcher is one of those very underrated positions defensively. And your point in 87, if you want this Twins team to be the Twins team that just sort of stumbles into the playoffs, shows up there, and then goes red hot, catches a, a blazing inferno and on the way to the World Series title that nobody expects, it's fine, but I think you're kind of if you'll pardon the pun, you're playing with fire at that point, hoping that you get into the postseason and then just like magically are better than these other super teams once you get there. I think that's not the approach, not in today's era. That might have been fine in 1987. I don't think that's the case now that you'll have to win a 50-50 wildcard game and then a couple of rounds versus some great, great teams to even get to the World Series. I don't think you'd be content with either of those catching situations if you have an opportunity to upgrade it now. So, um, Dave, thank you for the perspective. You're right. It's happened, but I wouldn't bank on it. Uh, Jamie says, what caliber of prospect or who would we have to give up for a catcher? And would be looking for a gap filler until Castro's better, or are we looking for an upgrade and replacement for Castro and all the other twins? Honestly, Jamie, the answer to your first question depends on the second. If you're looking for a gap filler, you might not have to give up that big of a prospect. If you're looking for Castro's replacement and then Castro's your backup next year, then you need to give up a lot, probably. Um, I, I think that the Twins have a you know, medium to low replacement level at catcher right now, and you can upgrade there uh, without spending you know, your top any of your top five prospects, let's just say. So... Would it cost something to get a new starter? Yep, absolutely. Teams value their catching, and Derek Falvey told us yesterday, there's just not enough good catching in baseball. Those weren't his words. I'm paraphrasing. I'll try to remember how he put it. He said, catching is sort of like pitching. You never feel like you have enough of it, and it's hard to get. So take that for what it's worth, Jamie. I think he's trying to set you up to say, hey, the cost is going to be really high to get a starter, I personally read that to mean maybe they'll make calls on backup level players or even just like a starter at AAA in case something happens to one of these two guys. But I'd aim a little bit higher. I'd set my sights higher than a AAA catcher right now. And that's going to cost you something. 
Um, Jamie followed up by saying, depending on how much we have to give up for the catcher, I believe our offense is pretty good right now. I think the price Miami is going to want for Real Muto, we can use those prospects and players to upgrade somewhere else. Yep, fair enough. Uh, you could upgrade pitching. Um, shortstop's kind of a question mark right now, but you've got Jorge Polanco coming back at some point. Um, first base, you're pretty set. I like DH with uh, Robbie Grossman, Logan Morrison, some combination there. Third base is a question mark because has anyone heard from Miguel Sano lately? But Eduardo Escobar's been a great hitter and done just fine filling in there. Um, so I don't know. Jamie, I kind of disagree. I think catcher's the number one spot you have to upgrade right now. And if you want to use those prospects somewhere else, that's fine. And you should. You should upgrade this team if you think you're a playoff team. But I think that catcher is a pretty important spot on the diamond, and the Twins could definitely stand to upgrade. Um, I see, boy, a bunch more questions. Leland, Joseph, Dan, uh, Zach, Phil, Trevor, Andrew, Stan. Uh, I'll have to go up quickly through these so that we can make sure that we get to our uh, media guide game. I don't even know if that's going to be fun. If it's, like, dumb, will you guys just tell me? Will you be honest and say... Hey, that media guide thing, we probably don't need that back next week. I'm just trying to find like fun segments for the show because I plan on doing this every single week. And uh, I know I don't like just uh, blabbing on and on and on. I love it when I can just address a bunch of questions like this. Um, but just to give us a bit of a, a segment feel, if we can, I don't know, if we can find fun things. If you guys have things that you think would be fun, hit me up. Let me know. Um, Derek Wetmore MLB, if you're listening to the podcast, drop your suggestions there. If you're in the Facebook chat, just leave them here, and yeah, I'll try and incorporate them going forward. So Leland, Leland had some uh, awesome contributions, either, either last week or it was over the week on Facebook. Um, says, what Twins player, current or past, would you want to be stuck on an island with? Now that's a tough question. <laughs> um, let me think on that for a second. Let me turn it to the chat, too. Who would you guys want to be stuck with? Uh, I assume you can only pick one, and I'll make a further assumption. Is this like an island where we have to survive, or is this like a beach resort where you'll just you'll be taken care of? I think that would change my answer. Uh, which Twins player would you want to be stuck on an island with? Boy, I don't know. Um, I'm trying to think of, like, who would definitely be a Rambo-style survivalist, you know? Um, Dan Dan takes the easy cheap shot in the chat. Yep, can't blame you. He says, wouldn't want to be stuck on the island with Sano. He'd eat all of the food. No comment. Um, who would, like... Could you see, like, Chris Jimenez being a Rambo-style survivalist with, like, the war paint and everything, catching, like, a boar and killing it with a knife to cook it and stay alive for another week? Um, gosh, I, I really don't know. Leland, you stumped me. I'm going to have to sit and think about this one for a while. I can say, like, Tory Hunter would be pretty entertaining. I don't know if he's a survivalist. Maybe he is. I, I'm not sure. Um, yeah, I honestly, I try to prepare for this chat as best I can. I do a lot of research throughout the week. I did a radio interview this morning on Milwaukee radio with uh, Bill Michaels. I do a lot of things to try and like warm up my brain and, and be thinking about twins talkers for you guys. 
That one did not come across my radar this week. So, Leland, I'm really sorry. I'm going to have to take a pass for now. I guess my, my cop-out answer will be Chris Jimenez, um, just because it's something I can think of right now off the top of my head. But I'll get back to you. How about that? If I come up with a better one this week, Leland, I'll hit you up on Facebook. All right, Joseph Patrick, and not Joseph Patrick Maurer, another Joseph Patrick, wants to know what kind of prospects would we have to give up for 2009 Joe Maurer? It's a great question because you're getting an MVP at the deadline probably. Um, but, but, free agent to be, so you got to remember, like, team control matters here. That plays into it. I think you'd have to give up your top prospect, and a, sort of a flyer pitching prospect is just a random guess. Um, so I don't know. Not like a bruised dark greater all, but uh, like a, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe it'd be like Nick Gordon and Zach Littell or, or yeah, you probably, you wouldn't want to give up Royce Lewis, right? So you'd try to pad the package with a, yeah, I feel like we've been talking about Nick Gordon as a trade candidate for like three years now. Um, hoping we can stop that someday soon. Either they make a trade or he's just a big leaguer. Um, I don't know. I don't know, Joseph. That's a good question, and uh, I hope you enjoyed those Angels games out west. Uh, Dan says, what up, Wetmore? Happy Friday, man. Thank you, Dan. Thank you for coming to the chat. Always appreciate your contributions. Um, including your Miguel Sano cheap shots, uh, we'll take them. Tony gives the hand wave emoji. Hi, Tony. Thanks for coming. I saw another emoji in here. Yeah, Stan. Stan just gives the eyeballs. And I think I was. I think if I saw this come in at the right time, Stan was saying it at the uh, World Series question, the eighty-seven ninety-one. This was our catching tandem, and uh, maybe that's what he was referring to, or maybe he was just saying, "Hey." Stan also chimes in with uh, agree on Nick Gordon. It feels like we've been talking about him as a trade candidate forever. I personally think like people are too down on Nick Gordon because he doesn't have an elite skill. Uh, he's not like a home run hitter. He's not going to steal 60 bases. He's not a gold glove shortstop. But to me, this is just my opinion, there's something to be said for a prospect who you're just pretty sure is going to be a big leaguer. There aren't a lot of guys who you can say, for sure I think he's going to make it in the majors. And I kind of feel that way about Nick Gordon. He's going to be an everyday contributor. So whether that's with the twins or someone else, I guess that remains to be seen. But, um, thank you, Stan. Uh, always, I always agree with people that agree with me. It means they're in the right. Zach says, uh, there's a guy who wears number seven who used to be a pretty good catcher. Yeah, that's true. But concussions, man, Concussions are a son of a gun. There's also a guy who used to wear number 33 and was a pretty good first baseman, and now he's doing broadcasts for Fox Sports North in no small part because of concussions. So, uh, yeah, in that way, it's pretty amazing that Maurer's still playing first base for the Twins and, you know, competing at a high level. Take that for what it's worth. Oh, I lost my ability to scroll here. All right, I, I'm on Twitter real quick, and I see Seth, you shared this out on Twitter. Thank you so much. I uh, totally appreciate this Facebook chat getting shared out with other audiences. That's awesome. 
Um, we did pretty well. We got a lot of people in here today. Still some questions coming in, and we're about 36 minutes into the podcast. So um, awesome. Thank you guys for coming by. This is super fun. Hopefully we'll do this uh, every Friday this season. Um, Trevor joined the chat. Trevor says, I don't even like baseball, but you are keeping me interested. Well, thanks, Trevor. That's a nice thing to say. You must be a stats geek then, my friend, because uh, we have some fun talking about uh, stats as they pertain to Major League Baseball. Much love, and uh, thank you for coming by. Um, you guys have a pretty good baseball team in Detroit, actually, Trevor, so uh, enjoy that for as long as it lasts. I can't say that I'm going to be saying that uh, in two months. Phil Kajawa chimes in, says, Cano got suspended. What other pitchers do we have in the minors that can help in the majors? Um, uh, oh, Phil, oh, he's probably talking about when I was talking about Robbie Cano. Yeah, but the reason he accepted the suspension is he broke his pinky, got the surgery. He was already going to miss some time and then just accepted the suspension. He can serve that while he's hurt. So, you know, Everyone has an opinion there, I'm sure. So Cano's injury plus suspension is what sort of hurt the Mariners here in the standings math. Um, What are the pitchers do we have in the minors that can help in the majors? Well, our guy Jake DePew does a good job of covering the minors for 1500ESPN.com. He thinks Steven Gonsalves can help. He wrote a column uh, after talking with Gonsalves in Pawtucket, I think, um, check that out on 1500ESPN.com. he thinks he could help. John Curtis has put up some good numbers. Tyler Duffy's down there right now. Alan Buznitz is a good pitcher. Luke Bard, you could see at some point. These are all relievers. Um, after that, right now, the guy I'm looking at, I mean, Aaron Sleggers has had some good starts. Don't get me wrong. But Trevor May is a guy that I expect to see in the starting rotation at some point. Um, he's on rehab right now. Um, we'll get to him for our stat of the week. But... Trevor May could be as little as like 10 days away, or he could be a couple of weeks away as he recovers from Tommy John surgery. But that's uh, my answer to your question. He'd be, he'd be number one for me. Um, I don't know. Uh, Phil, it's, it's hard to say for sure because so much of it depends on timing too. Hey, did the Twins need a fresh arm in the bullpen, or do they need a starting pitcher maybe to replace some guy named Lance Lynn? I don't know, just a thought. It's possible that Trevor May breaks his way into that rotation at some point here. So that'd be my answer. Um, let's see. Andrew, Andrew's talking about free agent catchers. That's interesting. He says uh, Miguel Montero, Carlos Ruiz, who's playing in Panama, and Giovanni Soto are free agents. Worth a flyer? Haven't looked at defensive metrics, but have a bit better bat. So Montero was in Washington. I think he got DFA'd like in the first week of the season or something like that. Carlos Ruiz, I've heard the same. Uh, Reportedly, he's playing in Panama. And then Gio Soto. Uh, You ask if they're worth a flyer? I don't know, maybe. But I've heard from the Twins that it's unlikely. Uh, Source, let's put it this way. A source with knowledge of their... um, Search for catching here says, yep, they're definitely being active. They're pursuing it. And also said that it's much, much more likely that they'll go on uh, the trade route rather than go find a free agent outside the organization. So I didn't really do even that much digging on Montero, Ruiz, and Soto because I was kind of told, hey, 
probably it's not going to be somebody who does not have a job right now. So take that for whatever it's worth, Andrew. That's kind of what I'm hearing behind the scenes. Um, Justin says, thanks for answering. Appreciate it. I'll listen to the rest later. Tea time in 20 minutes. Awesome, Justin. Dude, I'm looking outside, and I am jealous. My brother's golfing up north this weekend, and it seems like it's a pretty good weekend for it. So hope you enjoy that, and uh, thanks for listening to the podcast. Stan, thanks for the eyes emoji. <laughs> Uh, let's see, Matt, Matt is, uh, talking about, so we're getting back into that question and then we really got to fly through and get to our, uh, our segments. Matt says he'd want to stay on, I assume this is the desert Island question. Um, Jack Jones met him in the Miami airport a few years back. He's a cool dude. So Matt wants desert Island, Jack Jones. I've only met Jack once or twice. I want to say. Um, but he might be on this chat right now. I don't know. I saw him pop up on my Twitter last summer. Um, so Jock, if you're watching, just know that you're popular among twins fans. Um, also one of the coolest nicknames from when I was younger. Uh, I think Guardy nicknamed him one nothing because he would uh, hit so many leadoff home runs. Now the twins had a guy like that for a little while until he moved down in the order. Um, Dan wants to, uh, Eduardo Escobar, that guy does it all. So maybe that is the desert Island answer too. I don't know, but I could see Eduardo Escobar hunting a boar and, uh, keeping us alive for another week. Um, Dave Hansen wants Al Williams, a pitcher and a former Nicaraguan paratrooper. That's a great answer, Dave. Uh, that'd be, yeah, definitely a good, I don't know, teammate. For the desert island scenario. And I don't even know if it's a desert island. It might just be a deserted island. Eric wants uh, Wilson Ramos. Oh, Wilson Ramos as a catcher. Probably not as an island companion. Uh, Yeah, Wilson Ramos. But the Rays, A, they're not out of it. Or at least not in the wild card standings. They're not out of it. So I'm not sure if they're looking to trade. Um, And then B, I don't know how good of a catcher Wilson Ramos is. I don't have a very high opinion of him. But maybe I'm wrong on that. Just know that if the Twins had their chance at Wilson Ramos two winters ago when Falvey first took over and they passed on it, they could have had him. Instead, they got Jason Castro. I think that says probably a little something about what they think of Wilson Ramos. So take that for whatever it's worth. Jamie wants Kent Herbeck, favorite player as a kid growing up, and now that I'm older, he seems like a good guy to have a beer with. Totally agree uh, with the second part. Bloomington's own Kent Herbeck. But uh, I live in West Bloomington. Kent Herbeck was an East Sider. I think he went to Kennedy, if I'm not mistaken. Um, he's probably not a big fan of my work for that reason. Um, but you see Kent Herbeck around the ballpark every once in a while. I chatted with him a couple of weeks ago. And he's got the uh, Herbeck's bar. Um, so there's a free plug because Jamie brought it up. Um, if you want the world's most expensive Bloody Mary, I think that's probably where you can find it. It's at uh, Target Field. Uh, but that would be the person you spend time with on the, the island. Uh, let's see. looks like we're getting off the desert island thing because uh, Leland says, I stumped Wetmore. This is the greatest moment of my life. Leland, are you sure it's greater than the moment that we spent legitimate time on the podcast last week talking about your odds of getting a date with Scarlett Johansson? I would think that that would be up there. Maybe at least top five. Top five for sure. Uh, Andrew, Twins have 13 games left in May. 
He says if they manage an 8-5 and five record, this includes four games with Milwaukee, three with Detroit, three with Kansas City, and three with Seattle. They'll be 500 on the year, plus they're getting Santana, Sano, May coming back at some time. Let's play hashtag optimism reigns. You're right, Andrew. Uh, starting to look up a little bit for the Twins. What's up, Aaron? Thanks for joining the chat. Uh, Andrew, you're right. This is a spot where the Twins could definitely pad their win total. And if you want another thing to throw into that optimism reigns, it's that Cleveland hasn't pulled away yet. I was talking to somebody the other day, actually just yesterday, and it was brought up that you could look at this one of two ways. You can look at this as, hey, Cleveland's still there within striking distance. The other way you can look at it is missed opportunity. The the Indians have gotten off to a poor start, and the Twins could have really surged and run away with this division. Um, you know, they didn't, and so you could see that as a bad sign. I don't know. Um, but you're right. If they w- are three games above 500 the rest of the month, it's a 500 ball club, and then go get them, you know, giddy up. It's time to time to roll into June feeling like you got a shot in this thing. So that's a great dose of optimism reigns, Andrew. I always pin optimistic comments because there's too much negativity on social media. So you are officially pinned for the remainder of this Facebook show. Uh, Dan, okay, so I see some more, more, more questions piling in, but we got to get to our bits. I'll go quick through these. Dan says, is Gordon a possible replacement for Dozier at second base? Short answer, yes. Dozier is a free agent this winter. Um, Luke, is it possible to quantify Garver's effect on the pitching, especially the young guys? Yes, it's possible, but I don't think we're very good at it yet. I don't think Mitch Garver is as good as Jason Castro behind the plate, so there's going to be a step back there. But I do think Mitch Garver's a better hitter, so there's going to be a step up there. You just figure out, you know, seek your level. Where does that lie? Luke also adds, doesn't your math change if the Twins get back to 500 before the end of May? Then you just try to beat bad teams and break even with the good. The hole just doesn't seem that big anymore. So it depends which hole you're talking about. If you're talking about with Cleveland, I agree. It doesn't seem as bad as uh, when I wrote the column on May 1st. But I still think that the math is daunting in the wildcard standings. Luke, we talked about that earlier on the show, so I won't repeat myself. But uh, I just closed my tab with the wildcard standings. But you've got a lot of teams to leapfrog. You're talking either New York or Boston. And then the Angels, the Mariners, the A's, the Blue Jays, even the Rays are still in that mix. So it's still daunting if you ask me. you got to get to 86, 87, 88, 90 wins maybe for a wild card spot. And that's going to be pretty tough to do, even from a 500 record on June 1st. So good for the Twins. If they erase this deficit, I will look like a total idiot. And uh, a lot of people will beat up on me on social media, and that's fine. I can take it. I've got some thick skin. But it doesn't change the fact that there are a lot of teams that they'll have to be better than the rest of the season. It's a good challenge, and uh, currently we're taking bids on 1500 ESPN uh, to figure out what do I have to do if I'm wrong and the Twins go to the playoffs because I will just look like such a loser Way too premature to call their season off and then they prove me wrong and play great down the stretch and make the postseason. I've got to have some kind of punishment for that. That that kind of that kind of column does not go um, un you know unpunished. I guess like we'd have to revisit for sure. 
Dan says, I love hearing others saying the same thing I've been thinking. Get back to 500 by the end of May and don't stop believing. Uh, oh, he says, see what happens. Hashtag don't stop believing. So, yeah, you guys who think that uh, 500 record at the end of May is a good thing, you're not alone. The Twins are probably thinking that same thing. In fact, Paul Molitor is probably thinking more. Paul Molitor has said a number of times to us this year that when things are going well, he likes to be greedy. Sort of that uh, Warren Buffett mentality, I guess. The Warren Buffett of baseball standings math. Uh, let's see. Phil Kajawa says, I think the bullpen does need some help, as does the starting pitching. That goes back to our trade conversation. That's a that's an area you could look to upgrade. I'm just saying that right now, catching is a spot you could upgrade to. Um, Andrew says, laugh, cry emoji, laugh, cry emoji, laugh, cry emoji. I'm not sure which... Of my bad twins takes, that was in reference to, but uh, thank you for coming by, Andrew. Jesse says, thoughts on Tucker Barnhart with the Reds? Uh, I don't know the story. Let me look it up quick. I know I saw his name sort of mentioned in one of those like trade rumors things. I think they were talking about the Mets catching situation. That's before they traded Matt Harvey for Devin Mezzarocco. I'm looking up Tucker Barnhart right now on Fangraphs. Let's see. I got to give you a quick take. Really, I don't know if there's like news or something I'm missing, but he's having a great year offensively, a career year offensively so far. In 139 plate appearances, Tucker's hitting 274 with a 370 on base, 444 slugging percentage. That's great. That is good for a 354 Woba, or if you prefer, weighted runs created plus 123. Wow, that's a that's a great offensive season for a catcher. For sure, a great start to a season. Um, I don't know if he sustains that. I don't know enough about Tucker Barnhart, to be honest with you. Um, yeah, I wish I could give you a little bit better take on that. Let's look at the Reds' depth chart real quick. Yeah, you kind of stumped me here. I'm going to have to, uh, yeah, Barnhart and then Cruz are their options. I'll have to go back and, and look more into that. Um, Jesse, I did not I did not include Barnhart on that list. Maybe I should have. Uh, let's see. Oh, Andrew explained his laugh cry emoji said accidentally hit buttons, LOL. Well, whatever. We'll take them. Thanks, Andrew. Jamie says, kind of off topic, topic, but what do you think the Twins do with Lance Lynn if he continues to fail? And we need a roster spot for Santana or May, and Phil Hughes is already gone. Would the, would the Twins continue, can consider parting ways with him since it's only a one-year deal? No, I think you'd like move him to the bullpen or something, or maybe you go to a six-man staff, although I definitely wouldn't advocate that. Or, yeah, he moves to the bullpen, or maybe he's hurt. Maybe he's pitching hurt, and we don't know it, and there's a disabled list stint in his future. I don't know. It's too soon for me to call it, but um, I don't know what they'd do. I mean, it's only a one-year investment, so it's a sunk cost at this point. You can't keep saying, hey, we'll give this guy 33 starts no matter what. At some point, if you can upgrade the starting rotation, you, just, you probably have to do that. Okay. That is my last uh, question that's on the Facebook chat. We're going to play a quick game here. It's called the Media Guide Game, and then I've got a stat of the week for you guys. So hope you're ready. The Media Guide Game is pretty simple. It's a pretty stupid game that we're going to play. 
The Twins provided me with a 2018 media guide with Buxton, Molitor, and Dozier on the cover. And we're just going to flip to a random page, and I'll talk for like a minute about whichever player, coach, whatever comes up. So here goes. Oh, I got a schedule. That's not going to work. All right, that's interesting. Okay, so the page you can see on the Facebook video here, it's actually uh, the Hall of Fame. They're talking about Blackjack Jack Morris and Jim Tomey going into the Hall of Fame in the class of 2018. So my quick take, uh, Jim Tomey, I've never heard a bad thing said about him as a guy, and I didn't cover him, so I don't know. But I was talking to a – who was that? I think it was a White Sox writer who said, like, when he was in Chicago, just one of the most likable guys ever. Um, And that's been consistent with everything that I've heard on top of the 600 career home runs. Actually, in my row of the press box at Target Field, they have the Jim Tomey commemorative print – I can't remember if it's the Star Tribune or the Pioneer Press, but the front page of the sports section that says Mr. 600 on the day that Jim Tomey went yard. I think it's the Star Tribune. Uh, So that's kind of a cool thing. And then Jack Morris. We haven't seen him around a whole lot at Target Field this year as they they add a bunch of analysts. Roy Smalley does a great job on the Fox Sports North broadcasts. Torrey Hunter. um, I've seen Latroy Hawkins recently. And then Justin Morneau's done some broadcasts. I've heard really good things about him. Um, But... Haven't seen Jack around a whole ton. I am curious if you guys would want Jack Morris on a Touch 'Em All podcast. Let me know. Shoot me a note because uh, Blackjack and I—you'd be surprised with how old school he sees the game and how stats oriented I am. We get along pretty well actually, and talk baseball a lot at Target Field when he is there and doing games. So if you guys want him on a podcast before he goes into Cooperstown, uh, or maybe right after, I don't know. Let me know, and we'll try to line that interview up at some point. If if you give me the heads up early enough that enough people want uh, Blackjack Jack Morris on the podcast, um, we'd see what his. I'll get my people to get in touch with his people, and we'll see what they say. So that's the media guide game for today. Blackjack Jack Morris and Jim Tomey, congratulations on going into the Hall of Fame. Here is my final piece for the week, and then I will let you guys be and have your beautiful Friday afternoons back. Um, Stat of the week brought to you by nobody. It involves, as I teased at the beginning of the podcast, it involves a past and future Twins pitcher. I think he'll be in the starting rotation, but we'll see what happens. The stat is 60, and that is the number of pitches that Trevor May threw Thursday in his rehab outing for AAA Rochester. Well, that means he's not super close to being thrown into the starting rotation, but he is building that pitch count. Trevor May pitched four innings, three hits, one earned run, two walks, and five strikeouts against International League hitters. I think Trevor May is a very good pitcher, and he will be a boon to the Twins pitching staff for the rest of the year. I think too many people are down on him. Too many people are saying, ah, Trevor May is unproven or he's a reliever. Nope, I think I'd like to see him in the starting rotation. 58 pitches in his first outing, 60 pitches in his first outing with AAA Rochester. That uh, first rehab start was with Fort Myers um, in Dunedin, Florida. But he's up to 60 pitches. I wouldn't be too shocked to see him early next week go up to 75 pitches, and then maybe it's 90 after that. And at that point, 
he's eligible to come off the 60-day disabled list and could be um, in the mix for the Twins starting rotation. So there's your stat of the week. 60 pitches for Trevor May as he works his way back from, you know, reconstructive UCL surgery, better known as Tommy John. Um, That's it for me, guys, on this Twins Takes show. Twins, go trade for a catcher if you're watching. Um, I'd prefer a starter. I think I'd advocate that and then just use Mitch Garver's bat where you can. But at the very least, you've got to add some depth. I believe that the Twins are taking calls on that, and it's probably just a matter of time before a trade. But I think that I would advocate going to get a starting catcher if you take yourselves seriously as postseason contenders. That's it for me this week. We'll see you guys next Friday for the Twins Take Show. If you're not already listening to the Touch Em All podcast, go subscribe to that. If you're listening to the podcast, come check out our Facebook videos. We do them every Friday afternoon over lunch. Just like, I don't know, sneak in an earbud so that your boss doesn't know that you're listening to a Twins Facebook show instead of getting work done on a Friday afternoon. So, anyways, guys, thanks for hanging out. This has been super fun. Hope to see you next week. Be good.